staff guy was in there talking. And I carried on a conversation with him. And he was in that old log cabin. But he was actually cooking a meal for the staff on the Dutch oven on fire. He's cooking uh, jambalaya in one and uh, cinnamon bread in the other. Yeah. It was almost like, can I get a phone? <laughs> <laughs>
seats for just a moment and uh, got some things I want to cover very quickly. And the main thing is happy 46th annual church anniversary. Praise God. 46 years. That's amazing. So with that, Brother Wilson came here in around 1978. He pulled up in a travel trailer and his wife and his son in one of the lots surrounding this back over in here. And that's where they began the church. That's where they began the church. So you can't ever say you got to have certain things to do certain things. They just opened up their travel trailer and started bringing couples in and families and they started having church. Next, they moved over here. They bought this piece of property, this two acres, and put a G2 Army tent out. They started having church in Hinesville probably long before they sprayed for mosquitoes right out there under a G2 Army tent. And then after that, they built the section that you came into when you go through the front doors in the foyer. They built that building. A few years later, they ended up building the Sunday school wing back here. And then probably, what, 12, 13 years ago, started. we built this sanctuary in here. So 46 years of church, uh, of wonder, a wonderful church. And... I'll just, just to give you where we are, we have five acres of land. We have over 8,500 square feet of church space. We have an average attendance of somewhere around 200 worshipers on Sunday. And praise God. We have no outstanding bills. We have no loans. And we have over $225,000 in the bank for our Have You Heard campaign that's going to build our next building. Praise God. So I believe after 41 years, you ought to give yourself a hand for an excellent job. Thank you. And we have some recognition. You don't get where we are in 41 years without tremendous leaders. And we're recognizing today, we can't recognize all leaders. We're recognizing our uh, mantle department head leaders today. If you would like one of these, uh, we will get you one. You put it down, uh, get with Christy after service. If you're a leader, if you've been involved in the church a certain period of time, go ahead and let them know. But this is our uh, mantle department head leaders, and we want to just kind of recognize them. And I'm going to bring them up as couples. And and some of them may still be in the back, so you may want to grab them. But uh, department heads have been just really a major instrumental part of this church growing like it's grown. It, it, this is not a one-man church. It's not a one-pastor church. But, uh, but the people and the leaders here have made this church what it is. So uh, to our department heads... Uh, certificate of Appreciation, the following award is given to Joanna Ng in rec thankful recognition. 34 years of dedicated service to And Steve Ng, her husband, 21 years of dedicated service to IPTC. If y'all would come and grab these. Thank you, you so much. stay up here with us, that would be awesome. Well, if somebody can get a camera ready. Um, 
So if all of our if all of our mantle leaders can just stay up here. And mantle leaders, we do need to see you in the youth room immediately following service. Thank you, Brother E, for your many years of great service back there. Next is, he is not here, but his wife is, and so I'm going to ask them both to come. And this award is to our administrative pastor, Brother David Migbord, who is not on the 25 years. Sister Midgard with 23 years. 25 and 23. That's awesome. That is awesome. And if you'll stand right back there, 25 years. Uh, next one is the one and only. Super. Next one. If I can get it open. 
Gary, and Serena Duvall, 16 years. Andrew and Heather Fowler, four years. 
left me hanging. All right, let's give them a hand. That's what, thank y'all so much. That's what makes such a great difference. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That is why we have a 41st church anniversary. Solid, strong, 46, solid, strong leadership through the years. Thank you so much. To also all of our other leaders and members, thank you so much for your years of service. I believe I can quickly pick out our longest member uh, that's out here, and I would assume that Sister Warren. Sister Warren, how many years have you been here now? Since 1987. And any of our other leaders and members, you've been here over 10 years. I want you to stand. You've been here over 10 years. Let's go ahead and stand for us. 10 years. Five years. We have any five-year members. All right. All right. Praise God. Thank you so much. How about one year? One year. You've been here a year. You've been here a year longer, Stan. Thank you so much. Awesome. Praise God. Y'all can be dismissed. Thank you so much for your service. Department heads, as soon as service is over, please see me in the youth room. Me and Sister C in the youth room. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of Life United Pentecostal Church. Well, praise the Lord. We have a... A special announcement and a special for Pastor and for the First Lady as we um, have a video for you all. Good morning, good morning, when the bird 
That's where he learned it. <laughs> 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 
My, me and my wife taught them very well. I told them how to do it, really. Uh, it's so good to be a part of the life. So good. Don't you ever think that you're not a part because you are. But as I was saying, 17 years with this man and he's never failed me yet. Now we're talking about a God that will never fail us. But this is a man that God has put in this place to take and care for us. And he is doing it well. There is no other first lady that I would love to follow than you. And we are so proud of you too. So proud of you too. We love you. We appreciate it. And all the goodies that Christy Lynn has for you. I hope that, and I know she did well. I hope that you enjoy them. And we look forward to many days. I will say this. Pastor, you know who my mentor was. But you stand right there with me. And I love to
God woke me up at midnight, kept me up till about two, and then I went back to sleep. I had to work the next day, midnight till two, seeking Him, and then the next morning, or the next morning, woke me up at five. Brother Bates is like that, ain't nothing. And uh, he woke me up at five, and uh, it, it got me up to pray. And he started dealing with me on a subject. And the subject he started dealing with me on was not one that I've necessarily enjoyed recently, but it was leadership. And our need, my need personally for leadership. And as he started dealing with me on areas that I could grow and that I needed to grow in leadership, and uh, it, it just spoke to me, broad spectrum leadership, broad spectrum leadership. And I, I was, as I read Moses and that Genesis of leadership in, in the book of Exodus where Moses' brother, where Moses' father-in-law came and got on to him, so to speak, because he had led Israel out of Egypt, but he had somewhat forsaken his wife and kids. And uh, as his father-in-law Jethro put his wife and his kids before him, and watched him do what he was doing from daylight till dark. And then Jethro, from the outside looking in, began to speak to Moses. He said, what you're doing is not a good thing. This isn't good. And so here is Moses, who's one of the greatest leaders in history. And yet his father-in-law is rebuking him for not being a good leader to a few. And we can be a good leader to many and yet fail and not be a good leader to a few. So my desire with broad spectrum leadership in where do you fit month is to make sure we're covering a much wider net than just zeroing in on being one, doing one thing good, but making sure we're also doing leadership that we're not missing someone. That we're not missing some. That we're not leading all of Israel and missing our wife. That we're not leading all of Israel and missing our children. That we're not being a great employee but missing our, for ladies, your husband. Or you're being a great, uh, great in Sunday school but you're not missing things at home. We want to make sure we cover those things because I believe we can be great leaders. Everybody in here, do you know you're a leader? First of all, raise your hand. You are a leader. And if you're a little one, you'll be a leader one day. Because God will set you in the right places and he'll set you up to be a leader. You are leaders. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. We talked about Moses this morning and the other day. We're going to talk about Nehemiah, another great leader. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Now I rose in the night and some few men with me. He didn't have any men with him, just a few. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode on. And I went out by the, not by the gate of the valley and before the dragon well into the dumb port. And I viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down. The gates thereof were consumed with fire. 
Then I went on the gate of the fountain into the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went and what I did, neither had I set, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, neither to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me, and they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I'm talking about broad spectrum leadership, specifically today, Nehemiah 2 and 12, doing what God puts in your heart. Doing what God puts in your heart. Brother Monday, would you lead us in prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus, today, Lord, we call on you, Lord Jesus, to just speak to us today, Lord Jesus. Let Pastor Lord be your spokesman, Lord, as he ministers, Lord, and speaks, Lord, your mind, Lord Jesus, through his mouth, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would open up our understanding, Lord. Touch our hearts, Lord. Turn it from one of stone, Lord, to one that beats, Lord, the blood, Lord, that flows from Calvary, Lord Jesus. We have your blood applied upon us, Lord Jesus, and we pray, Lord, for great insight, understanding, wisdom, Lord, as we hear your truth, Lord. We thank you, we praise you, and we plead your blood of our pastor, over this church, our first lady, Lord, in this great year, Lord Jesus, to recognize all that has been done, let more be done. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you want to be a better leader, if you desire to serve God more, if you are here today and you want to grow, you want the ceiling off of your limitations of where you've been, I want you just to shout to God with a voice of triumph, clap your hands, and say, Lord, that's where I want to go, and that's what I want to do. seated in Jesus' name, doing what God puts in your heart. In the first chapter of Nehemiah, not what we read, we read chapter 2, but the first chapter, Nehemiah is a cupbearer. He is a king's cupbearer. He lived in the palace. He somewhat lived a life of royalty. He had all of the anything he could want, anything he could need. If we read about him, he's a very happy guy. He's a, a very, generally by the king's response, he's always joyful when he comes before the king. He's always in a good mood. He's just a positive. You ever known somebody that's just a positive person? They're just... You know, you, you can depend on them. They're going to come to church and they're going to smile. They're not having a bad day. They're going to love you, high-five you, hug you, whatever you do. And, and just this, this is what kind of person Nehemiah seems to have been. And, uh, and, and so here's this positive guy, Nehemiah. Suddenly in chapter 1, he comes before the king and he is not happy. Now, most people that are not necessarily positive people. It's hard to tell when they're in a bad mood. Because most of the time they're in a bad mood. 
So you can go before the king and be upset. The king never even notices you're upset. And if nobody notices you're upset when you're upset, it's probably because you're upset a lot. Amen. Praise God. But you see, Nehemiah is this positive guy. He becomes, he goes before the king and he's distraught. He's depressed. And, and, and the king, first things first, he notices, okay, this is not him. This is not Nehemiah. What's up? What's going on, man? What's, what's happening? And, and, and so he's got this relationship with the king, and the king notices that he's missing something, that something is wrong. And, and, and can I tell you that God places you in positions in life to be around people in life that he purposes you to be around. And he will use those positions, even though you don't think they are of God or ordained of God sometimes. He will use those positions to put you in a placement that he can use you. Where you are, perhaps, that you don't like being, maybe the perfect will of God. Maybe. We are called to do something. You are called to do something. As we get into where do you fit month, I mean, you have a place in the kingdom of God. You have a calling of God on your life. From the front row to the back row and all between, God put you in this place. He brought you here on this Sunday morning. Maybe you've been living for Him for 20 years, or maybe you've been living, you just walked in the door and you don't know anything. But I am here to tell you, each and every one of you are called according to God's purpose, and God has a plan for your life. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. I believe that. And today we are on a journey, and we're on a journey this entire month. I hope you travel with me on this journey. But we are on a journey to raise the ceiling of where we've been, to go beyond what we've been, and to allow ourselves to be expanded so that God can use us more and in greater purpose and greater growth. Hallelujah. As I said the other night, we're all leaders. You're a leader on your job. Where else are you a leader? At home, you're a leader. You're a leader to your children, right? Is there another place you're a leader? At the market, you're a leader. In church, you're a leader. In ministry, a leader. Anybody ever flown on an airplane? You know you're a leader when you fly on an airplane? I had somebody that I know between the North Pole and South Pole, nowhere around here, going on a trip, catching a flight. They said, you know you're sitting in the exit row seat. And that means that if something happened, you would have to man the door. You have to go into leader mode. They said, no thank you, can you put me somewhere else? Now, we're all wanting the foot room, right? I want the space. Give me that seat. But, but no, I'm not going to be a leader. I'm going to be the first one off. <laughs> and, but even on an airplane, you might be called into action to be a leader in a situation. I have found myself on an airplane and dead asleep, taking a nap, 
I'm chilling. There's something happens when I go up in that airplane and I put those little blinders on and I put my ear noise canceling earphones on and I got my little neck pillow. You can ask my wife. I'm just, I, I go in the zone. I am out. One day I didn't even realize it. And there's this lady sitting beside me and my wife's on this side. And I woke up and I feel this drool coming off the side of my mouth. And I look and I'm almost in this lady's lap. And this whole side's asleep, and I'm trying to pick myself up. Now look, she's asleep, I'm glad. She didn't even know this is happening. My wife's asleep, and I just raised myself back up there, and I get hooked back in that seat. I sleep good on an airplane. So I'm on this airplane, and all of a sudden they say, we need medical help. I'm like, oh. I don't know. I may sleep. You know what I mean? You don't. You can't go from just dead asleep, almost in somebody's lap, to going and taking care of an emergency. Boom. I mean, you have to. But all of a sudden, I, I had to go take care of a chest pain patient. And I got up there, and I'm taking care of the chest pain patient. And guess what? I, I'm called to leave. In a few minutes, start talking about faith. A few minutes, guess what? I go into pastor mode and uh, pray for this person. Land in the plane. I got us I got us a quick landing though. We landed before anybody else did. Praise God. I was leaving that whole airplane. You never know when you're called to lead and when you will be called to lead. God has placed you in perfect position to raise you up to fulfill your purpose. Amen. Praise God. And the more you branch out, the more directly it will affect what God has called you to do. So leadership training and leadership growth is bringing you closer to what God has for you to do. We have Where Do You Fit Month, and that's where we really try. You'll notice the boards out there. We want you to go through them. Look for somewhere to get involved in the church. We all belong here. That's, that's what makes life life. You see that sign right there? You'll see it all over. It's posted on our van. You belong here, and you do belong here. But it's not just a place to come and warm up by the fire, but it's because God has a plan for your life, and he's going to bring that plan to manifestation for you. He wants you to recognize that He has a purpose for you and that He has a plan for you. Praise God. We've got small groups starting up. Connect groups. Is that right? Is that the name? Life small groups coming up. And, and, and the cool thing is, is we're going to have these spiritual groups where we're studying the Bible. You can go over to somebody's house one day a week. I don't know, the Fowler's house. And they're going to be leading this spiritual group. And then maybe maybe uh, three days later, she's going to have this how to bake a cake group. So it's going to be spiritual, but it's also going to be fun. I think eating cake's fun. Now, I hope Brother Fowler has a group while she's baking cakes that we can do something with him. Uh, eating cake group. There you go. I, I saw I saw a friend of mine. If anybody remembers Sasha Toby, he's at uh, he's at Brother Hadabaugh's church, and they're doing these groups. And he was in a barbecue group. And I, I don't know, it was something barbecue. And, 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 and they were they, 
See, what it is, is it's making the kingdom of God. It, it, it is spiritual, but it's not just spiritual. It's also about connecting. It's also about getting together and becoming everything that God is making us to become. So these small groups, they're coming to you. You need to listen out for them, get involved in one. And maybe God's calling you. Maybe God's, maybe that's where it's at for you. Maybe you want to lead this small group. Maybe, Brother Tim, maybe you want to lead a how to crochet group. <laughs> Maybe how to build a cabinet. That might work a little better. But so, so Brother Josh wants to have a how to how to ride a motorcycle or work on a motorcycle if you got any motorcycles. Brother Cologne, man, he could tell you how to build how to build a house probably over there. And, and it, it, it just so 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 that's where we're going with small groups. But I believe these small groups are going to be about you getting connected with the church and also you finding your calling, your purpose, what God has designed for your life, where you fit, where you belong, and how you can become a more effective leader and a more effective person. Praise God. Broad spectrum leadership is going to be what helps get us in position, find our calling. Realize our purpose and in turn change our countenance. Now, I've been, I'm taking from a book, one of my leadership training books, each sermon as we go through this. And we've got Brother Pickering coming in uh, later this month on a Tuesday night. He is like a certified John Maxwell. Uh, trainer and he's going to be coming in and talking to us about leadership as well and, and we're going to have some other people coming in but this month this month where do you fit and then how to elevate how to grow how to raise your ceiling how to learn to be a stronger better leader well I'm good pastor I've been leading I know how to lead I got that's what I said I was at General Conference and I was walking around the bookstore and I went to all the new book section and I was looking for revelations and I was looking for Ephesians and commentaries and uh, it was all leadership, leadership, leadership. And then God was speaking to me the other night. Maybe you need to elevate your leadership. Maybe you need to grow in some of these areas. Maybe we all do. Will you join me on this journey? Is there anybody that wants to join me on this journey? Hallelujah. So, so one of the books that I really like, and one, of, one of my favorite Pentecostal authors, Eugene Wilson wrote The Difference Maker. And, uh, and what he says in there is one thing to have a dream, it's another to achieve it. It's one thing to have a dream, it's another to achieve it. And, and, and so there's a call of God on each and every one of your lives to do something, to be somebody, to be something for God, a dream that God has or will place in your life. Did you hear that? A dream that God has or will place in your life. Some of you have got some dreams that are buried so far deep in the mire of hurt and pain that you can't even remember it. And God is going to pull it to the surface over the next month. And he's going to renew and rekindle that dream that God gave you and stir that gift of God that is in you up and, and get you ready for what he has for you. So Wilson goes on to give these seven fundamental principles to apply on our journey. And I want you to grab these. The first one is God discovery 
surpasses self-discovery. God-discovery surpasses self-discovery. What's that mean, Pastor? That means God becomes more important than what I need to do. And if I'll connect with God, you see, God knows what I need more than what I know I need. And if I'm on self-discovery, I think I'm going to find it. But if I'm on God-discovery, I'll find God and God will lead me. I'll find God and God will direct me. I'll find God and God will put me in the exact place that I need to be. The second one, your sources, your source defines your potential. Your source defines your potential. Gideon, Gideon, God asked him to lead. And his response was, my family is what? My family is poor and I'm the least. That's what some of you say when God knocks on your door. I'm not Dr. Parks. I'm not Brother Munden. I don't, I don't have the gift to get to do this or to do that. That's what Gideon was saying. My family's poor. And I'm the least of them. And you want, you're calling me to do what? Your source defines your potential. If you've got God, it doesn't matter what your past says. It doesn't matter what your dad says. And it really doesn't matter what you say. It's all about who's your source. And my source is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. The next thing, your purpose defines your priorities. Your purpose defines your priorities. You need to write down when you find it, your purpose, because that will define your priorities. The next one I really like, because I've really tried to do this at times and failed every time. If you circumvent the process, you forfeit the blessing. If you circumvent the process, you forfeit the blessing. What's that mean? That means if you, there, there was a process for David to become king. And you want to know where it started? It started when he was keeping sheep. He was ordained to be king, but he was still keeping sheep. And while he was keeping sheep, he had that sling and those stones. Maybe not the exact ones he slew Goliath with, but as he would watch those as he would watch those sheep and so, something came around, he could take, he was just probably bored on the backside of a desert and just. Yep. And all of a sudden, when it came time to face this giant, because he did the small steps, uh, that, that's a God thing what happened with the giant. But it was also because he kept the sheep. He did the small things. He was willing to do the little things. He didn't say, you know what, I'm going to be king. I'm just going to sit on this wall. I'm not worried about those sheep because one day I'm going to be king. No, you do everything you can while you are what you are and you watch God elevate you. You watch God raise you up. You're not going to, you're not going to get there sitting on the wall. Sitting on the wall is what Humpty Dumpty did. Circumvent the process or you'll forfeit the blessing. The next one, 
Faithfulness with small things is the precursor to the bigger things. Moses went into Pharaoh, was going into Pharaoh. I don't have anything. How am I going to do that? How can I get involved in that? How can I accomplish that? What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? I don't have a Bible college degree. How am I going to preach? I, 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 don't, I, I don't have a degree in anything. How can I do what God wants me to do? What do you have in your hand? A rod. Throw it down. It becomes a snake. And most of us are probably running. Pick it up. I don't want to pick that up. Pick it up. It's a rod again. What's that mean? That means you don't have to have anything to be something in God. You don't have to have anything. You don't have to have a pedigree. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have any of those things. You just are called by God and he can take when I got in church I hadn't been in church all my life and and, and, and there were most of the people had my pastor even said well you know they've got some benefit they've gone to Sunday school all their life and and, and so that meant I you know what that meant that meant I had to open that Bible up and read more and more I had to read more than they read and I had to study more than they studied and, and I made my mind up I was going to read the Bible through and then all of a sudden, I just kept going and going, and God, God kept giving and giving and giving. I, I'd have preachers come through; they'd have all these cool stories, and they, you know, they'd, they'd run cold chills up and down your spine. And and I didn't have any of those stories, and I, I wasn't able to do that. But I realized I should preach the word, and the word, let, let the word be the word, and the word's already anointed. I don't even have to be anointed. I don't have to read this thing. It's anointed. What do you have in your hand? I just got a stick. Well, use that stick and see what God will do in your life. The sixth thing, the promise giver is greater than the promise. Never get your eyes so much on your promise that you forget the promise giver. Because it's all about him. It's all about his purpose. And then the last one that Wilson says is, Number seven, your calling supersedes your position, role, and responsibility. I want us to read Psalms 39. Would you stay in 139? I want you to read this back to me because this meant something when I read it. I'll say the verse that you repeat or half the verse. Psalms 139, I want you to mean this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If you believe that, would you clap your hands right here? in your life today? Is he drawing you close to him? Do you know him? Are you just beginning your journey of finding him? Or have you been on this journey for 10 or 20 years and you're wanting to go further and you feel like you have been at this at this capped place and God is wanting you to go beyond the plateau? Hallelujah. You've been serving him, but you're searching for the next step this morning. Today and over the next month, God is going to take us on this journey. God put something in Nehemiah's heart. If you read in chapter 1, and I won't read the entire thing, but it, it, he comes in and he said and he'd been told what was going on in, in, in his homeland. And, and he asked concerning the Jews, and they said the remnant that are left of the captivity are in great affliction and reproach and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Well, I'm just the king's cupbearer. What can I do about that? I'm, I'm over here in the palace. I, I feel bad for them, but there's I can't make a difference, right? I can't do anything. And it says, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah went from being the king's cupbearer to where all of a sudden now God was stirring something up in his heart and in his life. All of a sudden now, Nehemiah is experiencing conviction. We must learn to experience conviction from God. And when God begins to convict us, know that he is yearning for us to do something for him. And that's what was going on with Nehemiah. He was convicted when he heard about the gates. He was convicted when he heard about the destruction of the walls. He was convicted when he heard that his people were in captivity. Hallelujah. And he could have just ignored it, but conviction arose and he began to pray. And if we look at what he began to pray, he began to pray in the next verses of repentant prayer. He began to speak to God and he began to tell him not just his prayer. He prayed for all of Israel. Who is he to pray for all of Israel? Who is he to pray for all the people? He's not been appointed to a position. He's, he's not the priest. He's not the high priest or any of that. No, God placed him on his heart. And God placed conviction on his heart. And then we look and he begins to talk. He says, oh Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that 
him and observe his commandment. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night. So he began to pray this prayer and he began to pray it day and night. And he began to call on God. And he said, we have dealt very corruptly against thee and not kept thy commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, Lord, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if you transgress, I'll scatter you abroad among the nation. That's what's happening. But you said, God, in verse 9, but if you turn to me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were cast out and you to the uttermost parts of the heaven, yet I will gather them from this, and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. And now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed with thy great power and by thy strong hand. And he says, O oh Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper thee. He said, because I was the king's cupbearer, he prayed a repentant prayer for all the people. Can I tell some of you, you need to develop a conviction for your lost loved ones. And you need to not just throw them in God's hands, but you need to take them before an altar. And you need to repent for them. And they're not repenting for themselves. Oh God, we have sinned. Oh God, we have made mistakes. Oh God, but reach them. Oh God, but touch them. Oh, we, we need to grab a hold of that. We need to pray for our neighborhoods. We need to pray for our, for our extended family members. We need to call on God for who we are. I'm just a cut bear in a king's castle. I'm just a, a mill rider. I'm just a welder. Or I'm just a nurse. Or I'm just, no, 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 no. You are called of God and God has placed conviction on your heart because you have a purpose and you have a mission and God loves you. Something. Sometimes in life, it feels like we have these parallel roads. I got work, lane one, church lane one, family lane two, work lane three. It's like our life's this four lane highway, and we're just going. And, and, and we're just moving real fast. And we're kind of shifting lane to lane. And, and, and we're just moving. And, and sometimes we can get to thinking and not realizing that each lane has a purpose. And that God may have each lane as part of the design for us. And your family lane and your army lane and your church lane, they, they all generally flow together in one direction, right? But it, it, what we don't realize is sometimes each of those lanes are preparing us for what God wants to do in our life. We curse the job, but the job might be part of the preparation process. We, 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 what do you mean? I, I remember I, I got a call to preach. I didn't, I didn't want to work my job anymore. I just wanted to preach. And, and they sent me to a CPR instructor class. They needed me to teach CPR. So I went to the CPR. And said, what, what is that going to do me? And I'm called to preach the word. You know, I'm called the Bible. We'll get up there and start preaching to these people. And 
and, and I got in there teaching that CBR class, and man, I remember the first one. And, and I got there and had this podium, and luckily it was a wood podium, not a glass one. And, and I got my face the first time I ever talked in front of anybody. I had this call of God I wanted to preach, but I'd never preached before in my life. And I, I never got in front of anybody. And, and all of a sudden, here I am teaching CPR, and I got like 40 people here at the hospital that have come to hear me teach CPR. Man, my hands are under here going. I, I, I was so nervous teaching that CPR class that first time. And, and, and they began to teach me how to teach. Come on. They began to tell me, keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. And don't make it too hard. And, you know, this is how you do an outline. You come back and you cover your points. And, and, and you do all these things. That, and before you know it, I was teaching CPR all over the place. But then finally when I accepted the call and got behind the pulpit... All that that I was doing, God used that as part of the preparation for what he was calling me to do. I was cursing what I was doing, but God was using it to make sure that not only was it beneficial in this lane in my life, but it was beneficial in this lane in my life. Amen. It's easy to look at what you're doing in life and feel incomplete by your career. And maybe it's not because it, it, it's not what you want to be doing, but it pays the bills. It provides security. It helps you be blessed. But it's not what you want to do. What you want to do is simply the will of God. But sometimes we don't see the will of God in what we're doing. And God is right there in the middle of it. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a calling. Hallelujah. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. You would come play me out of here. <laughs> walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. Nehemiah was living in the palace. He had this high and lofty position. He had a great retirement plan. He had one of those federal jobs. <laughs> I mean, he did. He worked for the he worked for the king. He had a federal job. He was a, what do you call it? What do y'all call it? DD or? He had a DOD job. <laughs> he worked right there for the king, had the best benefits. He was making bank. He was getting direct deposits. I mean, he got to eat all that good food. He, he got to experience palace life. He ate like a king. And then all of a sudden, Sometimes those four lanes that are going hit what we call a spaghetti junction. And you have to pick a direction. And that's when you want to pick a God direction. When these intersect. Leaders have to do uncomfortable things. Notice what Nehemiah did. He, he found himself at that intersection. He'd been doing this just fine. He was... Had, he had what he was doing for the king. He had what he was doing for God. They, they just did this. And they're all smooth. But now, God's calling him to do something that intersects. What's he do? He doesn't want to confront the king. He doesn't want to tell the king he needs to leave for a period of time. And he tells him, 
I got to go rebuild these walls. I'll be back. I'll be back. But I got to go rebuild these walls. Sometimes I think when I worked as a paramedic when I got in church and I got a calling, because I had to miss one Sunday a month, I thought I couldn't take a position. My pastor was trying to get me to do stuff, and I was like, I can't I miss that one day. And I didn't, I didn't see that I could have been very valuable. Three out of four. You know what I mean? And, and I just had this deep-seated, I've got to get another job. I've got to go. This one's messing me up, and it's preventing me from taking that position. And I didn't see that I could have done that position. You know, I, I just didn't see it myself, that, that I could have made that happen. I, I, I know we've had soldiers come through here through the years. We recognized everyone for, you know, 20-something years and 15 years and 10 years today. But along the way, we've also had some great people that just come through for a few years. And, and they didn't just not do anything because they weren't going to be here long. They didn't just say, you know what, I'm only going to be here for a year, so I'm going to lay back and not do anything. I'm not going to get involved. No, they jumped in. I can, I can start naming names. They just jumped into a ministry, and, and they would jump in that ministry, and, and then they'd be like, Pastor, i got to deploy. Okay, well, somebody can either pick that up, or when you get back, you can pick it back up. And sometimes somebody would pick that ministry up and move forward. And somebody, nobody, sometimes nobody would. When they got back from deployment, they picked it right back up and they kept going. It, it, you, everything's not always going to be perfect. Your situations aren't always going to be perfect. But don't not do something for God. Don't not do something for God because you think you've got all these hindrances. You can make it happen. You can do it. You can do what God's calling you to do. You can find His purpose. And, and you can make all these things work together. All things work together for the good. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Let's call on the name of Jesus. You know, Philippians tells you in 4 and 13, you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. Sister Crutchfield is going to begin to play this song. If God's dealing with you, Nehemiah, conviction. You know, Nehemiah, had, it seems that he really hadn't sought God, perhaps, in a period of time. Maybe he ignored, he knew there was problems in Israel and he didn't want to know. And finally he asked the question, maybe somebody's there right now. You hadn't asked God the question because you kind of knew the answer and you weren't ready for the answer. And God's drawing you right now because he's speaking into your life. And he wants that voice of conviction stirred up in your life. If that's you, would you make your way to the altar right now? I believe that the Lord of glory is in this place and he wants to speak to your life. Maybe there's somebody here you've been living for God for 10 or 15 or 20 years, but you feel like that ceiling has been capped and you've been at a plateau and you haven't been able, you keep saying, God, I want to go beyond where I've been, but I've not been able to. This next month, that's, that's what this is about. That's this journey is going further. If that's you, would you make your way to this altar right now and say, God, I'm ready for the journey. I want to start the journey today. I'm ready to go on it, God. I want everything you've got for me. God, I, I, I want to learn how to 
making difficult decisions. I want to learn how to face the difficult things, God, not like Nehemiah did when he had to go before the king. But, God, I know it's your will. I know it's your plan. And that's what I want to do. God, here I am. If you can use anybody, God, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Here I am today, Lord. I'm tired of I'm tired of wrestling. I'm tired of pushing you away. I'm tired of not doing exactly what you want me to do. I'm, I'm tired of feeling less than and, and, and inferior to God. I'm, I'm tired of feeling God. I'm tired of feeling God like, like my family is poor and I'm the least of my family and you keep calling me to do something more. God, here I am. I want to do something more. In the name of Jesus. Let's reach out to him right now. Take a moment. If you want to grow closer to him, would you make your way to the altar right now? You're not having to accept the call to preach. You're not going to get thrown in children's church next week. But you just want to say, God, I, I want to do something for you. Would you come? God, I know... I've got purpose in my life. I want to I want to draw to that purpose. I want to draw closer and closer to it. In the name of Jesus.